Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. St. Joseph County health officials announced this week the county is extending its mask order for another couple of months. That decision was made despite Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb's announcement that the statewide mask mandate will turn to a mask advisory this coming week. St. Joseph County was really ahead of the curve last May when the health department issued a mask order about two months before Governor Eric Holcomb did. This current order is going to run through May 27th, and it's important to note that this order states that it will not be renewed, revised, or extended beyond that date. So this will be the final mask order in St. Joseph County. But what's less certain is the future of the mask ordinance that states business employees like servers at restaurants have to wear masks. Wearing a mask has been almost a universal recommendation by health officials to slow the spread of the coronavirus. The fundamental considerations that make us think that the mask mandate is important don't seem to have changed. While the St. Joseph County Health Department has mandated mask wearing in indoor public places for close to a year, the enforcement mechanism is relatively new. Late last year, the St. Joseph County Council passed an ordinance that mandated employees of businesses wear masks and allowed the health department to fine them for violations. The ordinance is up for renewal at the council's meeting on April 13th. It originally passed 8-1 to one and was then approved by the Board of Commissioners in a 2-1 to one vote. But the Board of Commissioners is now made up of three Republicans and its president, Andy Castelny, says they'd likely vote not to renew the ordinance. There, the, the mandate, there is no great way to enforce it. So, I mean, it's, it's in essence, it's a strong recommendation regardless of what the wording is. In all fairness, I think, you know, but it seems like there's never really been a way to enforce it. Exactly. In this entire pandemic, so... I mean, what's the difference in calling it a mandate three months ago than calling it a mandate now? That's a great question. And that, I think that's one of the things that we have learned through this process, that it's it's less important of the semantics of something as the intent of something. Castelny says he thinks most people's behavior won't change, but Dr. Fox says political support does help. We need the support of the elected officials for the ordinance to be in place. County Council President Rafael Morton says he's had several conversations with health officer Dr. Robert Einters, but he couldn't say how his fellow council members would vote on that renewal. The county commissioners can veto the council's decision, but the council can override that veto with six votes. Last time they got eight, so it's likely that that mask ordinance will stay in effect. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. The pace of vaccinations in St. Joseph County is steady, but not quite as fast as health officials would like. And we're still learning about the variants of the virus that could affect how quickly we come out of the pandemic. Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox discusses all this and more with Bob Montgomery on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Dr. Mark Fox, St. Joseph County Health Department is with us. Lots to get to. Let's get right to it. Good morning. Ready for rapid fire? Let's go. All right, here we go. Uh, The California variant now confirmed in, in St. Joseph County. What do we know about this variant? Is it any different than like the British? variant, for example, which we also know is here. Interestingly, it may not be as contagious as the British variant, um, but the vaccines may not be as effective against it as well. So it's, uh, it will not spread as rapidly, 
but the vaccines probably don't protect quite as well. So when you say quite as well, is it still effective in the, in it's the scheme effective, of things? It's effective, but it's, it, it appears to be a diminished immune response to the How, how about on the, on the worst end? Of course, we talk about what's most important with these vaccines and that it'll keep you out of the hospital, it'll keep you from dying. Is it still, are the vaccines still effective against the California variant at as high a level? We don't have enough data about those outcomes yet. So it's really just with respect to the neutralizing antibodies. Um, so I, I can't say at this point, unfortunately. Are, are the, uh, the 6,000 or so people who are vaccinated uh, in the Notre Dame Mass Vaccine Clinic, plus all the others recently, uh, how is that adding to our level of immunity in this area? That's critically important. You know, the volume we're doing each week. So even at the, at the county site, we're doing 5,000, 5,500 a week. Did about that number at, at Notre Dame this weekend plus all the other sites in town. That means about 2% of the St. Joseph County population, if those were all St. Joseph County residents, we'd be capturing at least 2% every week. Still not as fast as we'd like. We'd like to see that capacity increase, but the vaccine is our best path forward, clearly. What do we know about the vaccine and how long it's going to last? That's a question that I don't know if there's a definitive answer for yet. There is not. So, <laughs> you know, that's the $64,000 question. Um, Good data suggests that it will last at least a year. Um, Pfizer and Moderna may actually be even a little bit longer, but I would anticipate that we'll be on some kind of booster schedule, whether it's every year or so, just like the flu shot. That's kind of what I'm anticipating, but, but I don't think we have the final answer. And, and the, the issue of natural immunity as well, that's still a bit of a question as well. If you've had it, how long am I immune from getting it for the second time, potentially? Yeah, the best answer we have is 90 days. Um, we certainly have seen some, some reinfections sooner than 90 days, but most of them have been more in the 120 to 150 day range. I wanted to ask you about uh, the mask mandate. You and your cohorts will have a decision to make here within the next couple of days. Perhaps you've made that decision. The county's mask mandate ends on Wednesday. Are you going to extend it? We're still looking at that. You know, we have the challenge that the, the governor's mandate goes to an advisory after our, mask, our current mask mandate ends. And then the ordinance that supports our mask mandate is due to be reviewed two weeks after that. So the sequence, it, everything's out of sequence. The bottom line I'll say is that the fundamental considerations that make us think that the mask mandate is important don't seem to have changed. Our seven-day rolling average of cases is up 40% in the last three weeks. Our hospitalizations are up. We have the variants in town. And as I've said before, the thing about the governor's speech last week that, that bothered me he never mentioned the impact of variants. And I've, that's the wild card, we just don't know. We know the vaccines are important, but people have to, eligibility is not the same thing as being protected. All right, I'm going to read between the lines here and, and say that you were, are you are at least strongly in favor, you personally are strongly in I favor. I personally am strongly in favor. I'm not the health officer who signs on the dotted line. So, but you work for him and you work with him closely. Do you anticipate that he's going to, to go against that? And do you anticipate that there will be any pushback from the county level that there would perhaps be a reason to try to push against fines, et cetera? Yeah, I think the dynamics between the county council and the county commission um, you know, are, are also a wild card in this uh, because we need the support of the elected officials for the ordinance to be in place. So question, the mask mandate, that on the, on the state level is reduced to an advisory. The other restrictions for businesses are also being lowered. Are you more concerned about the mask advisory being in place or are you more concerned about a free and open business situation where there's no capacity limit? 
in some ways it's hard for me to parse those two out because I think on the one hand saying the governor's order goes to an advisory, I worry about a repeat of September 25th when everyone said, oh, the governor wouldn't let us be more relaxed about it unless it was safe to do it and everything went crazy. Um, so you pair the mask advisory with no restrictions on uh, gatherings in restaurants and things. Nothing about capacity, physical distancing, masking, seating. That is is very concerning. I think you know businesses, grocery stores, hardware stores, whatever. I'm I'm less concerned about that because those tend to be passing interactions. But sitting in a restaurant for an hour and a half or two hours um, with a bunch of people whose vaccine status you don't know is, I think, a, is a grave concern. I guess you're paid to worry. I, that, that is part, that is part, part of the, your job description. But let me ask you this final question. So are you more optimistic that more people are getting vaccinated, or are you more pessimistic that the variants lend so much of a question we don't know what's going to happen next? I'm definitely optimistic about the vaccine. Um, I am worried about opening things up too quickly until we actually have enough people protected with the vaccine. Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Halfway through the spring semester, the University of Notre Dame has managed to maintain in-person classes during the pandemic. That's a contrast to having to shift online after the first week of fall due to a spike in cases. The university credits increased surveillance testing as a way to keep asymptomatic students out of the daily mix. Rules are also more strict this semester. At the beginning of the semester, the university put out a campus compact, which outlines safety expectations for students in the spring. Now, if a student were to be caught allegedly breaking the rules, they'd be sent a notice with 24 hours to respond. That's the part that has some students upset. Masks required all the time on Notre Dame's campus, limiting informal gatherings to 10 people and staying away from places where masking and distancing isn't happening. Just a few of the dozens of rules outlined in Notre Dame's expectations for students this semester. So we tried to put it from a spirit of transparency uh, into one place. The university says the compact was inspired by peer colleges, so they wouldn't have a repeat of last fall. If there was a single piece I think that worried all of us, it, it's the case counts. Notre Dame's also testing every undergrad every week, and students can get in trouble for missing a test or skipping quarantine if they test positive. If caught breaking any of the rules, students get sent a notice with only 24 hours to respond. I don't think that students are happy that they're not really given the same chance to defend themselves that they used to be. Uh, I think the university has every right to enforce and has a responsibility to enforce coronavirus protocols to keep us safe and here. Uh, but you can do that in a manner that doesn't jeopardize uh, the student's ability to be heard. Michael Dugan created a petition at the beginning of the semester asking for better due process. It's signed by about 10% of the student body and was unanimously passed as a resolution in the student senate. It seems like that was that was behind the student voice. The vice president of student life acknowledged the pushback in this live chat in February, but said the university wanted to take care of violations as swiftly as they could. Mistakes can be made, um, and we want students to have the opportunity to learn and to grow. So, but we're in a public health emergency. And so here's the balance we've struck. Harding says it's important to do everything possible to stop transmission and protect the South Bend community. But a surge of cases still happened on campus in early spring. High profile events like a gathering at the South Bend bar and this Mishawaka Mexican restaurant created news headlines and caught attention of the administration. Notre Dame said it tried to ID students who were there with social media and surveillance video. You might have some issues of misidentification of students. 
Um, but that's exactly why you have to give them a chance to defend themselves uh, because they can come up with alibis. They can pr present proof that they weren't there and that you've got the wrong person. The university won't say whether any students got in trouble and didn't reply to our emails and calls asking how many students got notices, how many faced consequences, or if any were dismissed from the university. One student who lives with their parents in Granger says sometimes her peers don't realize that their actions affect the people outside the campus bubble who don't have as many coronavirus resources as Notre Dame. It's really selfish actually to just um, be like, well, I'll be fine, but they're not really taking others into account. The petition creator says he realizes it's probably not going to change any rules now, but he's frustrated that the school ignored his input. The students believe that um, due process is something that, that we need to have at Notre Dame. The compact says that all students have to follow the rules, even if they've developed immunity from having coronavirus in the past or being vaccinated. Now, last week, the university announced they'd be getting enough Pfizer vaccine for every student to get one before the end of the semester. And they say they're working with the local health department to decide what's safe in the coming weeks. WSBT 22, Selena Guevara reporting. Selena also spoke with an economics professor this week about how ending mask updates early could hurt the economy. An economics professor at IU Northwest tells me one of the biggest misconceptions he's seen is people blaming the closures and capacity limits for a slowed economic output. Instead, he attributes it to people simply being afraid to go out during a pandemic. There's definitely been a lot of pushes to try to loosen these restrictions with the idea that, well, that will bring our economy back. And, you know, it's not going to bring demand back. It's just going to, you know, make people feel less comfortable. You know. After hearing news of the mask mandate ending, some are still eager to go to bars and restaurants. I'll be all right with it. Others, not so much. For me, it's just not worth the risk to potentially be exposed. But it's those who are hesitant that Pollock says local shops and restaurants need business from in order to start the economy back up. The people maybe that um, didn't like the mask mandates and didn't like the restrictions, um, that maybe thought they were unnecessary, they're still going to be out there, you know, whether it's in place or not, but you might potentially lose those risk-averse people that, you know, are not comfortable with, with the change. People like Annie Conigan, whose mother and sister have conditions that could make the virus deadly for them. I, I'm very nervous about these new strains of COVID that are circling, um, that are supposed to be more contagious. Many area restaurants say they're keeping masks on their staff and increasing cleaning to make people still feel better. Even if, you know, the local businesses try to keep those mandates in place, uh, it's going to be harder for them to enforce. In St. Joseph County, a local mask mandate now goes through the end of May, and warm weather is promising for restaurants. We still prefer eating outdoors. But Annie isn't vaccinated and worries a lack of a statewide rule gives her less reason to expect those around her to protect her. I have often been ridiculed for wanting to wear a mask and wanting the people around me to wear a mask. And that's been really hard because I'm doing that because of my mother and because of my sister. Pollock says he also thinks the state can help stimulate the economy by focusing on what everyday Hoosiers need to get through this pandemic and by making sure that people still have jobs and stay employed so that they have that disposable income to spend. WSBT 22, Selena Guevara. The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff or management. Join us again next week on Community Update on The Sports Leader. 96.1 WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 